I want to give a quick shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. And a special shout out if you're listening in Guam, Damam, Saudi Arabia, Segoville, Texas, or Pekinbaru, Indonesia. Thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here, you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome plant-centered listeners. My name is Ashley and I am so excited you're here today. We are talking about an incredible plant-based cookbook for two. And I'm not going to lie. When I was looking through this cookbook, I, my mouth was watering. First of all, there were just a lot of beautiful, incredible, and very approachable recipes in here. So we're talking to Lei Shishak today. She is a chef and author of multiple cookbooks, and she received her culinary training at the CIA in New York and holds a certificate in plant-based nutrition from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies. After working as an executive pastry chef at notable West Coast restaurants, including Michael Mina's Stonehill Tavern, and being named Pastry Chef of the Year by Southern California's noted Riviera magazine, Lay founded Sugar Blossom Bake Shop in San Clemente, California, and has been featured in People, Sunset Magazine, Orange County Register, KTLA Morning News, PBS, and many more media outlets. She and her family live in Southern California. She loves spending time at the beach, creating new recipes in their ocean view loft, and going on epic hikes in the nearby mountains. So she talks all about her story and how she transitioned to a plant-forward way of eating in 2020. And this cookbook sort of came to life throughout that time, which I find so fascinating because Think about how many cookbooks are out there that are plant-based from people who are really just starting their journey. And I just really appreciate Lay's perspective. I appreciate the book itself because again, it is really approachable. You know, it uses simple ingredients. It's not overly complex or complicated. And in our discussion today, she shares a lot of different tips and tricks for the kitchen for people who don't like to cook or have limited time to cook. One of the, one of the tips she shared, I was like, I have never done that. And I was kind of shocked that I hadn't done it. So I'm going to be doing it afterwards, but you'll have to listen in to find out what that is because let's just say I need to start doing that immediately. <laughs> All right. Well, please join me in welcoming Lay to the show. I hope you really enjoy this conversation that we had about her story, all the tips and tricks she gives you. And as we talk about her new incredible cookbook, welcome to the show, Lay. Thanks, Ashley. I am so excited to talk to you and I'm so excited to talk about this new cookbook that you have out. But before we get to all of those great details, can you just give us a little bit of a background on who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a trained chef and I am a cookbook author. I've currently released my fifth cookbook, which is why I'm here today. Yay. And I also work as a freelance recipe editor for allrecipes.com. Nice. Okay. What's it like doing that? I love it. I'm yeah. so thankful for the job. Um, I've had it for almost a year and I work with pretty amazing people and uh, I love recipes. So 
you know, the fact that I get to edit and read recipes all day, it's kind of my dream job. Oh my gosh. That's so wonderful. And that's such a uh, a platform that is, I know, very, very busy. People are always going to all recipes for recipes. Yes. I'm thankful for that because, yeah. because of them, I have a job and because, <laughs> you know, home cooks submit their recipes, which we love getting, um, yeah. you know, I have a job because of that too. That's awesome. So can anyone submit recipes for all recipes? Anyone can submit a recipe. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. Kind of going back to your own plant forward journey, how did that come about for you? Because like you said, this is your fifth cookbook and this is your fifth plant-based cookbook. Actually, this is my first plant-based cookbook. (gasps) Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. My cookbooks kind of reflect where I am in my life. And, you know, prior to 2020, I was pretty much a staunch meat eater. Mm. And I think you were getting towards what what brought me to on this plant-based journey and what was the catalyst was the pandemic and also selling my bakery after 10 years, both happened in March of 2020. And I really, you know, had some time on my hands to kind of think about um, my health and changes that I wanted to make. I had been wanting to eat healthier for quite a long time. Many chefs um, have terrible diets. You know, we work very long, long hours and the only things open after 10 p.m. are bars and, and we go and we drink alcohol and we eat fried foods. And that's what I had continued to do um, throughout my, my career as a chef and a bakery owner. So yeah. I had started hearing about plant-based eating and just did some research trying to figure out what exactly it entailed. And it seemed like something that was totally doable. I liked that you could start slowly and you just wanted to get to the point where the majority of your your diet um, was coming from plants. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot on the show that plant-based, the definition of plant-based is really up to the person and how they want. There's no like clear, specific, hard rules when it comes to plant-based eating. It really is ultimately up to you and how you want to define that. And I think I like what you said about you were a staunch meat eater and then here you are kind of exploring what it would look like to incorporate more plants into your diet. And I think that's good for a lot of people to understand that just because you're a staunch meat eater growing up, or just because you ate one way um, for a big period of time, doesn't mean you have to continue down that path. And so it sounds like you made some changes uh, in 2020. Yeah, definitely did. You know, I, I studied it. I got my certificate in plant-based nutrition and then um, just started incorporating more plants into my diet. And I I do talk about this in the book, but, you know, there were some tips that I picked up um, for ways to start plant-based diet. And one of them that helped me the most was just starting to view meat as a side dish as opposed to the main dish. And so my plate would be maybe three quarters full of plants and grains and, you know, just a small quarter would be meat. And that made the transition a lot easier. I would say another thing that really helped was Meatless Mondays. Um, It's very popular and it's so easy to do. You have all week to plan out (laughs) what plants and vegetables you're going to eat on Monday. So it takes a lot of the stress away. Yes. Yeah. I had some clients recently who jumped on the Meatless Monday train and they loved it because it kind of took the pressure off of having to eat meatless every single day, especially when yeah. that's what you're accustomed to doing. Yeah. Um, so that was a great transition. And I like that idea too, of looking at meat or viewing me as more of a side dish versus like your main, your main piece on your plate. Yeah. It was really helpful. Yeah. So first of all, you took the course from T Colin Campbell, right? How was that <laughs> course? How was it for you? 
It was wonderful. I had never done a an online remote academic course, so I wasn't quite sure what it would be like. Um, but I really got a lot out of it. The, the course instructors were fantastic and the materials that were provided were really helpful and you get to keep all of those materials so you can refer back to any information that you might want to go through again. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So as you were transitioning to plant-based, I know that you have a lovely husband. How, <laughs> how did that situation go? So he was pretty game, you know, um, he actually suffered at the time he's doing much better now from really high cholesterol Mm -hmm. and um, high blood pressure. So he needed, I mean, he really needed to make some changes in his diet as well. Um, So he was, he was pretty game to give this a try. Um, It was a little, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe midway through writing this cookbook, he started getting a little tired of just eating plants. (laughs) So, So I had to start, you know, every now and then, you know, cooking some animal protein just to keep him happy. But, you know, for the most part, um, I'd probably say I eat maybe 75% plant, plant plant-based and he probably eats 50%, um, which I'm happy about as long as he's, you know, getting a nice balance, then, then that, that that's cool with me. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we talk a lot on the show and for you listening, like this doesn't have to be an all or nothing lifestyle. If you don't want it to be, there are, there is tons of research out there, which I'm sure you found in the course that you took that showing that a predominantly plant-based diet can be incredibly helpful for your life, for your cholesterol, for your blood pressure, so many different things that it doesn't have to be 100% all plants all the time. So I think that's a good reminder to allow yourself just some grace and flexibility that it doesn't have to be this rigid way of living either. Grace and flexibility. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So do you have, I kind of want to talk about like some tips and tricks related to cooking because you are a trained chef. You've been in many, many kitchens and you have just such an incredible experience. I know a lot of people are curious, especially if they're plant-based transitioning to plant-based or eating any sort of way. If there are any like kitchen related hacks or cooking related hacks that you have found over the years to be really helpful to kind of save yourself some time in the kitchen. Definitely with plant-based eating, uh, you know, planning ahead, planning your meals ahead is super helpful. And then also batch cooking is super helpful too. I set aside Sundays to do any kind of batch cooking. I like to cook a lot of um, grains on those days. Um, We're a big rice eating family. So I actually make Um, a big pot of rice. um, And we love fried rice in our family too. So leftover rice is great for that. And I love rice because you can mix and match with different meals. You can use some in a plant-based bowl. You can use some as fried rice. um, And then you can just use some as a side to to some sort of plant-based protein. So definitely planning ahead, cooking in bulk would probably be my two kitchen tips. Yeah. Yep. I think those are great. Those are two things that I also enjoy. I think the planning piece is so important, especially when you're newer to plant-based eating kind of just helps you continue down that path without maybe falling back on like what you already know or what's familiar. And then also y'all know I'm all about meal prepping. So I think that's just another (laughs) hack, even if it's something, even if it's like just rice for the week, that can make such a huge difference in having that all set ready to go for you. Oh, it really does. And like even something like if I know that I'm going to have a salad the next day, just washing and chopping the greens and the vegetables for the salad, it it's, helps so much. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Leigh, do you have any tips for people who maybe don't like to cook? I guess my first tip might be just to start slowly with cooking, you know, just cook once a week. Um, It'll take a lot of the stress away. And then if you want to make it fun, you know, say if you're going to cook on Tuesdays, just make it like a theme dish. So like taco Tuesdays, and that narrows down what you're going to be cooking every week. You at least know that it's some form of taco and tacos are great for plant-based eating, by the way, if you just, you know, have a corn tortilla and you stuff it with a lot of like wonderfully spiced fragrant vegetables or tofu, it's, it's absolutely delicious. Then, then maybe I'd say invest in few a few good equipment because you you know when you're working in the kitchen it's just no fun if your if your knife's not sharp if you don't have like a solid good cutting board things like that um, you know you don't need to spend too much money but just like invest in some few good pieces. I'd probably say those two things. Yes. Yeah. Both very important. I know we talk a lot about how if you're, if your knife can't cut through a sweet potato, it's time to either sharpen it or get a completely different knife because that does make a huge difference in the kitchen. It's so true. It's going to make your life so much easier and just make the whole experience of cooking so much more pleasant. And another thing that just popped into my head, um, you might want to stick to like one pot meals. That's, that would be really helpful too. If you don't like to spend a lot of time in the kitchen or you're not, you don't really enjoy cooking too much. If you just stick to a one pot recipe, that would probably help a little too. Yes. That's such a great idea. Like utilizing your instant pot, or there's a lot of recipe creators out there who do like what's called dump and bakes, where it's like, you just basically (laughs) put everything into a casserole dish and throw it in the oven and you're good to go. I mean, those can save you so much time. Yes. Yes. I love those. Do you have an instant pot? Yes. I don't have one and I what? know it's, I know <laughs> I'm like a holdout, but I, I edit so many recipes on all recipes for instant pot. And I was like, this yes. sounds so wonderful. Yes. I've got to try this. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. So when you're cooking rice, you're doing it like when you say stove, you're doing it on the stove. I do cook it on the stove. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. <laughs> I know. You're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's probably really good though. That way too. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's fine. You know, I'm sure it's great in the instant pot too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The instant pot has saved me a lot of time and energy. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. It's still on my list. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So what about people who maybe don't have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen? We've already kind of talked about maybe some like hacks and different things like that, but are there any recommendations or any tips you have for people who just maybe don't have a lot of bandwidth to cook? Yeah. I, I, get that we're all really busy and then we're tired after working all day. So, uh, you know, anyone familiar with my previous cookbooks, many of them were focused on, you know, less time in the kitchen (laughs) and more time doing what you love. So it's kind of a continuous theme in all of, all of my cookbooks. So I would, I would say, check out my book. Heck yes. And we're going to talk about it in a second. So you'll (laughs) learn even more about it. But I think, I think that's really great though, because people are looking more and more to, especially if you don't enjoy cooking to do, just try and maybe create shortcuts where you don't have to spend so much time prepping and cooking. And like you said, doing more things that you love outside of the kitchen. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't be promoting this because I, here I am promoting a cookbook, but um, <laughs> there are a lot of like meal, great meal, you know, delivery services where it's like already prepped out for you, but you're still doing the cooking at home. And, um, but it does save a lot of time when you buy, you know, when you use something like that, where the vegetables and the proteins are already pre-prepped for you. Yep. Yeah. 
That is true. Yeah, that's a good point. I definitely use those every once in a while just because if I know I'm having like a really busy month, it just kind of saves me a little extra hassle in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of those. I um I had some surgery a couple years ago and my mom and my brother signed me up for a meal delivery service like that. Nice. And um it helped so much while I was, you know, recovering from surgery because I couldn't bend. And um, it was hard to stand for a very long time. So it was just perfect, you know, that everything was pre-prepped already. Yeah, that's actually a really great idea. You know, instead mm-hmm. of sending someone flowers and then like a meal delivery kit for yes. a few weeks. Yeah. Yes, good idea. <laughs> they will appreciate it. Yep, yeah, I love that. Okay, so we've talked about the Instant Pot. We've talked about really sharp knives, but what are maybe some other favorite kitchen tools that either you use or that you recommend to people? So I, I think I mentioned it earlier, just like a solid wood cutting board is really key. One side, you know, you can use for like more fragrant stuff like garlic and ginger. And then the other side you can use for, you know, non-fragrant stuff, like maybe some vegetables and fruits. Okay. Like I never thought about flipping the sides, depending on what it is that you're chopping. That's genius. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like, I do have a kitchen hack. <laughs> yes. That's a huge one. I'm like, I need to be doing that. Yeah, definitely. Because there's nothing, I can't stand it when I cut an apple, say, and I take a bite out of it and it tastes garlicky. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I've been there. That's why I I specifically keep one side for garlic and one side for fruit. That is so smart. So for you listening, I hope that if you're not doing that already, that we do it together, because I think that's such a phenomenal (laughs) idea. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't done that sooner. I love the whisk. It's just yes. one of my favorite tools. And then what else? Oh, stainless steel bowls of all sizes. I love my bowls. I just love having different sizes and, you know, using them for, for baking and for cooking. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Oh, I love my KitchenAid mixer too. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. So this is a common question, especially in the evenings. Why do you think it's hard for couples or families to decide what's for dinner? You know, there's that saying, okay, what are we going to have for dinner? What's for dinner? I feel like every household says that. Why do you think we always say that? That's a really interesting question. I mean, aside from us being tired at the end of the day, <laughs> I almost, I, I feel like, and I'm speaking out, you know, in my experience, I feel like I had too many ingredients in my fridge. Like it was overwhelming. I would open my fridge and I didn't know where to start. And that's why going on this plant-based journey was like really, really helpful for me because one of the things that they actually taught us um, when I got my plant-based certificate was that when you go grocery shopping, everything you purchase should have a purpose. So don't get like drawn in like, and, and purchase things like just maybe because they're on sale, but you, but you you're like, I don't know how I'm going to use this though, but it's on sale. Yeah. So I'm going to buy it. Don't do that. Like Everything that goes in your cart, make sure you know exactly what you're going to do with it and how you're going to prepare it and you know, how you're going to cook it. Wow. That's really, really helpful. And that kind of goes back to what you're talking about before of like planning your meals for the week in a way where that that's like one less question you have to ask of like, well, what are we going to have for dinner? Cause there's already a plan set in place and hopefully you already have those ingredients in your house and you know what you're going to do with them. So it's, it's funny you mentioned that about having multiple ingredients on hand or like ingredients that you don't need. So this week, um, 
my husband and I, Nick, we are doing pantry meals because we just feel like our pantry has, we just keep piling stuff in there and we're like, okay, we're not meal planning for dinners. We are going to eat out of our pantry, like forcing ourselves to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Stuff gets shoved to the back of the pantry and then you yes. forget about it. You know, I, yes. I, mine's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. All right, Lay. So let's transition to talk about your cookbook, which is called Easy Plant-Based Cooking for Two, Delicious Vegan Recipes to Enjoy Together. So there are 80 recipes for pears. And I like, I don't know where this came from, but I like that it's like, it, you could be you could be living with your BFF, you could be living with your partner, you could be living with your spouse, your roommate, you could be empty nesters, whatever it is, or even by yourself. Because I was mm-hmm. reading through these recipes. I was like, oh, I could actually make this for myself for even a couple of days, you know, if I were to eat it and Nick wasn't. So what kind of, what sparked this idea of doing a plant-based cookbook after you had done your four other cookbooks? So I happened to be on my plant-based journey when my literary agent contacted me and and asked if I was, you know, thinking about my next cookbook. And, you know, so I told her what I was cooking at home. You know, I wanted this cookbook to reflect what I was making at home. And uh, we approached uh, my editor, the same editor I've been with since the beginning. And we kind of, you know, hashed out different ideas And we decided to go with plant-based cooking. And then we wanted to definitely have another angle. And so the cooking for two um, was added and um, I, which I was totally fine with because I live in a household of two (laughs) prior to that, I lived in a household of one and, you know, so I'm very experienced with cooking smaller portions. And I, I do think, you know, we're living in a time when people are more, you know, conscious of, of no waste, especially when it comes to food. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I like this cookbook, especially because if you wanted to prep for the entire, like one recipe for the entire week, you could just double it or triple it. But what's nice is you don't have to do that. Especially if you don't (laughs) like eating the same thing every day, you can have some variety thrown in there as well, because they are just more manageable recipes. And I like it too, because you're not buying, you're not over buying ingredients. You know, you know exactly what you need and how many it's going to make. Um, so instead of cooking for four or six, when it's just a household of two or one, it's much more approachable, which is nice. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So what kind of sets this, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to kind of touch on it as well. What sets this cookbook apart, maybe from other plant-based cookbooks that are out there? Yeah. So aside from the cooking for two, uh, I would say what makes it pretty unique is that it's written by a meat eater. And so I feel like, at least I've also been told this by by vegans, that when they look at this book, the recipes aren't kind of your typical vegan recipes, meaning that they don't use a lot of the more, um, you know, quote unquote, unfamiliar, strange vegan ingredients, um, which, which, you know, at the time I wasn't really too familiar with. So I just wanted to create delicious dishes that had a lot of plants in them. So that was, that's the thing with a lot of these recipes is that I feel like meat eaters will look at it and be like, oh, I could do that. I could eat that. You know, there's nothing strange about this. Um, they're just, you know, vegetables. And uh, so my hope is that they'll find it very approachable and that even people, you know, people who eat meat or people who, you know, don't eat meat will find these recipes pretty unique. Yes. Yeah. Unique. And like you said, like there's no obscure ingredients where you have to go to multiple grocery stores to like create one recipe, which I think was really nice about it too. Yeah. Right. All these ingredients can be found at a typical grocery store. 
Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's really nice. I know when I was looking through it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many things in here that I already want to make. Um, you have like coffee cake for two or some like sort of like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, those look so good. And it's nice. They are. <laughs> yeah. When you make like a coffee cake or dessert, sometimes you don't want to make like a nine by 13 or a sheet pan of it. So it's nice to just have a kind of smaller portion that you can enjoy with someone else or by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, bake it in a big, like you said, a nine by 13 or like a bunt, you know, bunt cake pan. Yep. Um, these are like you use two little ramekins to bake these coffee cakes and, and they're perfectly portioned for two. Yeah. Yeah. So I know some people will get curious when, what goes into creating a cookbook? Cause we know that there is so much that goes on behind the scenes, like the consumer us, we get this like beautifully photographed uh, cookbook with recipes and everything's just so nicely done. Um, but what's kind of your role in creating the cookbook and what goes on behind the scenes, especially with this one in creating it? Yeah. So it starts off with a proposal pretty much. Um, you know, you're, you have to kind of sit back and think of the concept um, as a whole and you put it down on paper and, you, you know, what's, what kind of recipes will the book have? You know, what's the point of the book and who's your audience? And so you have to be, you know, conceptualize it that way. And, you know, once it's, it's approved on with your publisher and all that stuff, then what I do is I just take pen and paper and um, I start breaking out the different chapters that I want. Um, when it came to this book with, um, with plant-based cooking, I started with writing down all the different fruits and vegetables that I wanted to work with. And, um, you know, some of them were familiar to me. Some of them weren't like jackfruit was entirely new to me. I'd never heard of it. I never cooked with it. And, um, you know, so I definitely put that on the list. And then uh, from there, it's uh, at least the way I do it, I think of different ways um, of cooking. So like, you know, what, what, if I'm working with broccoli, should it be broiled? Should it be boiled? Should it be grilled? Should it be oh roasted? Gosh. You know, like, so I start with, with, with the actual ingredient. And then I think of the cooking technique that I want to use. And then from there, it just, you start adding the different um, components of the, the dish. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then, gosh, I could keep going. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so then you come up with the recipe and then you test it, you know, multiple times typically. And then um, along the way, um, you know, if I feel like it looks photo worthy, then I will photograph the dish, which, you know, some days are, are great. And some days, you know, I may take a hundred photos and none of them are working for me because the yeah. lighting's off or, you know, for whatever reason. So, um, but hopefully you get the right photo. Sometimes I, I'll take 100 to 200 shots of one dish and, you know, find two, two to four that make the final cut. Wow. And then my editor typically picks the final photo for the cookbook. Okay. Wow. So you're doing all of that and creating I'm doing it all. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, it takes, you know, six months to a year to, for me to write a cookbook because, yeah. you know, there's a lot involved. Yeah. And I don't think there are many plant-based cookbooks out there from people who really are newly into their plant-based journey, which I think gives it a very unique perspective in that, like, like you said, you're not overcomplicating things. You're trying to use really approachable ingredients. I think that's just like different than a lot of cookbooks that we see, which is refreshing. Yes. And I was, I was told, um, by a couple other people that they really enjoyed that I wasn't lecturing them yeah. in the book and in the introduction, like you can't eat that. 
you have to eat this. <laughs> you yep. know, you need to eat this. And I definitely didn't want to, you know, to want it to come across that way at all. I wanted this to be, you know, very much for someone new on the journey, like you said. And, you know, I didn't want them, them to be stressed out or turned off by it in yeah. any way. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any favorite recipes from the book or any that like your hubby really loved or anything like that that you want to share? <laughs> yeah, I really love, I mean, gosh, there's lots obviously, but I really love the roasted cauliflower steaks, but I, not only because it's delicious, but basically I love it because it uses one head of cauliflower for two servings because, you know, there's nothing I hate more than like getting a cauliflower head and then only using half of it for a recipe. And then you're stuck with another half that you forget about in your vegetable yep. drawer all week. So oh, yeah. this, this recipe uses, you know, the center portion of the head to, for cauliflower steaks. And then the smaller florets that fall off the sides are, um, boiled and mashed into a cauliflower puree. So I like that it utilizes the whole head and then it's served with some lentils and a really um, wonderfully flavorful kale pesto. Oh, yes. Yum. Yeah. The, and the photo of that was really, it looked really delicious. So oh, that's, a, that's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> is there another one that, especially with your husband, you know, it's still like eating meat and everything. Is there something in particular that he didn't miss, I guess he didn't miss out on having meat when he had it. Probably say the chickpea loaf that's in there because yes. it's, it, the texture is so similar to meatloaf um, and the flavors too. Like I, I just, I love that recipe because I just, I, I feel like a meat eater would eat it and not even miss meat one bit. So yeah. um, I, I'd probably say that was probably his favorite. Okay. That's good to know. Actually, that's growing up. I know that was one of my mom's favorite dishes. And so maybe I should make mm. that for her to see what she thinks. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she used to love meatloaf back in the day. So, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So Lay, as I was looking through the cookbook, I know that there, well, it starts off with morning beverages, which I think is fantastic. You have like a chai in there. There was something else that you had in there. Oh, Let's see. I've got some smoothies in there and I do have... Let's see, a lavender coffee as well. That was it. Yeah, that really <laughs> okay. intrigued me. Yes. 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 I love lavender in my coffee. Have you ever had lavender coffee? I've, I've only had lavender lattes, but this looks okay. different. So okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you like lavender lattes, you'll like this lavender coffee. You know, it's a similar yeah. flavor. You're basically um, steeping the coffee with dried lavender in it. And then you're going to serve it with some almond milk and it's mm. just wonderfully calming and soothing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really nice. And you also have a breakfast recipes in there, desserts, you have lunches, snacks, side dishes, obviously dinners, but there's so much variety in there, which I think is great too. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to incorporate all sorts of plant-based dishes for any time throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really nice. So we've got, yeah, beverages and snacks and breakfast, lunch, dinner, desserts, all the things are covered in there for you and for someone else if you're cooking for somebody else. Yes. All right, Lay. So if we want to go buy the cookbook, where is maybe the best place for us to do that? Or where are some places that we can get it? Uh, so it's definitely sold on Amazon. It's sold on uh, walmart.com, barnesandnoble.com. And then, you know, anywhere you buy your books, your local bookstore, I'm sure can order it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can always go and just ask, right. If you don't see yes. it in your local bookstore, ask them to get it for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Great idea. Wonderful. And for someone looking just to connect with you or learn more about you, where is the best place for them to do that? 
The best place is probably Instagram. I'm on there. My handle is my name at Shishak. And then uh, if you'd like to email me, you can go to my website, which is Lashishak.com, And my email address is there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lay, for coming on the show and sharing your tips and tricks, and then also talking about your amazing cookbook. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.